Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. So, um, yeah, last week I shared a message called Validated in the Secret Place. And, and talked a bit about um, where we, like, what are the motives of our heart and what we do and how we approach God and, and just the things that we do. And one, one approach would be that we find our validation in our accomplishments. Uh, we might find our validation by the accolades of man um, or, or the lack of validation by the opinions of man. Uh, but do we want to try to find our security and our identity in what we're doing and what people think, or should we find it in the acceptance of our Father? Amen? And because we've been reading out of Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is talking about the secret place. And, and he, he, last week we read the part where it talked about going and praying in public or doing, doing charitable deeds so that you can be seen by men and receive glory from, from men. He said, that's your reward. But if you do it in, in, with a posture of not to try to get seen, but to, but to love on the person and be seen by God from the secret place, the Father will reward you. Amen? We talked about praying in the secret place, and I'm going to read into that more today. That's what we're going to dive into today. Um, but I'm going to pick up on Matthew 6, 5 through 8, and I want to just say again, don't get too used to me doing what I'm getting ready to do right now, because I'm not promising you nothing, right? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're just see how this goes. I'm kind of just going, I'm pacing myself, just trying it out. But we're going to read some verses together. Well, you guys read along, I'll say, but I'll read them to you. It's Matthew five or 6, 5 through 8. When, hold on, I want to make sure that, ha, look at that. See that mouse on there? That means I need to turn something off on this thing. There we are. All right. <laughs> Learning my equipment. All right. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Everybody say, that they may be seen. So they're doing it for the purpose of being seen by people. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. All right, so that is the reward, being seen by people. Okay? But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret, everybody say, he sees in secret, will reward you openly. Everybody say, he rewards you. Come on. Not every translation says openly, but I think he likes to show off. Anyway. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that, by the, that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Come on. That's a good word right there. So I want to, where are we at here? Still getting used to this. All right. <laughs> um, uh, we've, been, we've been talking for quite a while now about, about learning our sonship and our daughtership with a good father. Amen? 
And the Lord is, is trying to heal our hearts from orphan mindsets, which, which we all were born with. We all um, came into this world not knowing who our good Father is. And so Jesus' goal is to reveal the Father to us. Amen? So anytime that we, that we see Jesus um, preaching in the, in the Scriptures and He talks about His Father, there's things in there to learn about who the Father is and, and how we can approach Him and, and receive from Him. Amen? So He, he goes on, he, he's, talking about, um, he's talking about how we should pray and how we should not pray. And we're going to take a minute and talk about how not to pray. Okay, because he, he listed two things in that passage uh, of, of examples of ways to not pray. One of them was praying uh, to where you're trying to draw attention to yourself so that you can be seen by people. All right, that was one approach that was not, he's saying this is not how to pray. The other one, he called it vain repetitions, all right? So he's saying don't try to do it for the purpose of being seen and don't do it with vain repetitions, so how not to pray? Well, kind of, we don't want to approach it where, we, where we're trying to be super spiritual, okay? So that doesn't mean that you're not super spiritual, because you are, but not because you are doing something good, but because who you are as a child of the Most High God, amen? So how not to pray? I lost my notes here on my iPad. I'm going to be looking at two screens now. All right, there's the religious approach to prayer, okay? And the religious approach, it, it finds validation from the act of praying instead of from the one you are praying to. So it, it, we, people get validated by how they're doing the religious stuff or the spiritual stuff. I, do, I, I can function in these spiritual ways. I feel good about myself. But Jesus is actually trying to teach us that we don't find our validation in what we do or how we do, but from the one that we're doing it unto. Amen? And that's your good Father. He wants us to find our validation from the Father. So this is the, the religious approach. And it also can craft prayers to sound spiritually mature. Finding self-worth from the length of your prayer. Okay? Because he's saying don't come um, with a bunch of vain repetitions. So sometimes people find their validation by how much time or how long their prayer was. Amen? And you know that part about, about trying to be spiritually mature, I just want to remind us that Jesus actually taught us that, that he actually is looking for people who have the faith of a child. So he's not looking for crafted, like amazingly spiritual, I, I'm, a, I'm getting my master's degree in spirituality kind of prayers. All right, if, if he sees the faith of a child, like that's what he wants to see in us, amen? That doesn't mean you can't, that you're not able to have powerful mature sounding prayers, but do it from the place where you are, not trying to be something you're not. Does that make sense? So let it flow from the heart. All right. And then it's, they're hollow inside. So like it, the, the, the fulfillment comes from the performance rather than where the engine of the heart. Does that make sense? So it's hollow inside when we give it the religious approach. And a few weeks ago, we talked a lot about uh, the parable of the prodigal son, which should be called the parable of the extravagant father, all right? 
and, and, we, and we, I, I went in there and it kind of showed us all the different people that are represented in that story. And there's the prodigal son. There's the older brother who represented um, the self-righteous because he, he was like, why aren't you celebrating me? I, I've been here the whole time and I've been doing everything the right way. And the father's like, well, you, you're, you've been in my house and all that I have is yours. So, but he, he thought that it was his performance that deserved the celebration when, God, when, the, when the father actually was bringing celebration to a son who brought his posture back into his house as a son. Amen? So the religious approach actually functions like the older brother, which would be an orphan approach, and it's self-righteous. And there, there's another approach that he's asking us to not do in prayer, and that's called, I call it, the begging approach. All right, the begging approach. I wanted to find a, a funny picture to put on there, and I thought that could get pretty inappropriate because uh, I wanted to find a kid begging the parent, but hey, I ran out of time. Should a child need to beg for their, from the needs of their parents? No. Jesus actually said, he said, what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, everybody say good gifts, to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things, everybody say good things, to those who ask him? All right? So I, I, I want to distinguish something in that passage I just read, because he's actually talking about a good parent um, and, and the kid asking for bread, of course he's going to give the kid bread, right? Or a fish, of course, he's going to give the kid a fish. And, and right here he's saying, he's actually calling it good gifts. He's saying people, good parents, or parents are going to give good gifts to their kids. But I want to ask you the question, if a, a kid asks for bread or fish, would you consider that a gift or would you consider that a rightful provision? Because provision is something that you should just be able to have without even having to beg for it. Amen? It's like that is the duty of a parent to provide for the kids, to feed the kids. That, the, the food really should not be considered a good gift. It's just something that just should be happening anyway. Right? That just comes with the territory of being a parent with a kid. Amen? But Jesus is actually going beyond that, and he's saying, if you then know how to give good gifts to your children, so he's not just talking about provisions, now he's talking about gifts. So like he's actually taking it above what the provision is. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? All right? So the food, the bread and the fish are provisions, but good gifts are actually above and beyond. The provisions, all right? So it's without question that a parent is going to provide the needs of his children. But Jesus has taken us beyond just provisions, okay? Because Jesus actually said that the Father who sees you in the secret place will reward you. He will reward you. So basically what he's saying is, he being a good father, he's not just going to take care of the needs you have, He's going to go beyond the needs. He's going to give you good gifts. He's going to 
reward you. Come on. It's a good word. So he's, he's teaching us that we need to not fret about the provisions because he's a good father. Of course he's going to take care of the provisions. You can ask him for the provisions, but don't fret about it. He's a good father. He's going to give you what you need. And now he's saying when, he, when he's talking about the good gifts, he actually is trying to inspire us to think bigger. Okay? He wants us to think bigger than just the needs. Does that make sense? I remember years ago, I heard Randy Clark speaking. Randy has a powerful healing ministry. And he was speaking about healing. And he, was, he said that when we beg God to heal us, when we beg God to heal us, it is as if we assume it was our idea and we needed to convince him of something that he wasn't already, hasn't already paid for. All right? So he already knows the need. He's already provided the need. Amen? It's not your idea. It was his idea, and he paid a big price for it 2,000 years ago. Amen? And that doesn't just go for healing. It goes for all things that God has promised to us. All right? And, and here's the thing. As children of God, we need to understand Romans 8 calls us heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus. That means that we are God's children equally to Jesus being God's child. All right? We're joint heirs with Him, and we receive an inheritance from Father. So all the things that God has provided and all the things He's promised us is actually part of your inheritance as a child. How do you get an inheritance? Well, we see a lot of craziness in court systems these days of people fighting for that. But if we, if we all know what's rightfully ours, you don't have to fight for an inheritance. You receive it. Amen? So the begging approach would be the prodigal son. That would, be, that would be the prodigal who realized that he was not in a good situation and he wanted to return back home and he, and he made up in his mind, I'm going to tell my father, I'm not worthy to be your son any longer. Make me a servant and, and then I can, I can at least get access to the servant's portion. Okay, So he came with a begging posture that he, he wanted to put himself... Uh, with, a, with a God, per se, uh, with a, a master instead of a son to a father. So it's like, I don't deserve this. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get it, but let me put myself in a situation where I can try to convince you to at least have me something, give me something, all right? That's how a lot of people pray to their father, okay? Begging him. And the Lord, the Lord is not asking us to beg him. He's asking us to trust Him. Amen? Well, let's talk about how to pray. The sonship approach. By the way, this sermon is really not so much about praying as much as it is learning how to be a son or a daughter to a good father. That's what it's really about, okay? Here's a sonship approach. We'll see if this thing works. Finding validation 
from the one you are praying to rather than from the act of praying. Amen? God's trying to call us back to the secret place. So let's talk about the secret place. Okay, the secret place. That the, the, when, um, when Jesus said, go to your room, that, that word for room actually means an inner room, like in a, in a house. It's an inner room that probably doesn't have windows because it's not around the outer edge. So it's inside. It could be a closet. It could be a storage room, but a room that is private and unseen from the outside. It's a place where there is no applause from man. So that means, that means you're going where nobody else is going to be able to see how spiritual you are. All right? It's a place... <laughs> this thing better start working. A place where you are free to fully express your heart. In other words, let it all rip out. Like, don't worry. You don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks. You just let it rip. You, if you need to cry and bawl your eyes out, you just let it go. If you need to start praising and dancing in a way that you would never do right here at church, let it rip. Whatever you need to do, if you need to get raw, like get raw, but it's a place where you don't need to worry about what anybody else thinks, and you just got the full attention of Father. Amen? It's a place where you have an audience of one. Come on. Is there any better audience you could have than with Yahweh, creator of the universe? Father, Daddy, God. Huh? <laughs> Are you guys doing all right this morning? All right. So the, a secret place. I was talking to my kids for a couple minutes last night about the secret place. And David said the secret place is a sacred place. Out of the mouth of children, amen? A, a secret place is a sacred place. It's a place that, that is sacred between you and, and God. Nobody else gets access. It's a special place that God has created, just you and him. Amen? It's a place where God can tell you things that, that, that's nobody else's business. All right? It's intimate. He wants to bring us into an intimate place. I, I sometimes like to think of the secret place like God's garden, where he wants to draw us into the kind of, it's kind of mystical to the human mind, but a, but a place that is other, other world, but it's his presence. And he created the Garden of Eden so he could have an intimate, adventurous place for Adam and Eve. But he actually has given us access to his garden in his presence. Amen? So there, there's, I've personally found lots of different places that I've been able to have as a secret place. Because you can have a secret place anywhere, all right? I, I've found that my bedroom is a good secret place. Um, it does Because that when I was saying that about being in a room with no windows, it's not like God's legalistic, all right? The point is you're going somewhere inward that nobody else is going to be able to see into, okay? But I've had my bedroom is a secret place. Sometimes when I'm laying on my bed, sometimes kneeling at the edge of my bed, um, I, I've found secret place in my office where I'm just sitting there, close out the doors, and just soak and go into his presence. I've, I've had secret places in bathrooms. <laughs> I've literally had times when I was in a store and I felt compelled by God to get in his presence and, and went to a bathroom and closed myself into a stall not to use it, but just to block it out so I could just have an encounter with God. 
It can happen at home, at work, stores, anywhere. Um, I, I remember one time when I was a teenager, or maybe in my early 20s, my brother and I went to Blockbuster Video. Does anybody remember that place? And I felt the Spirit just moving me so much that I had to find an aisle of unpopular movies to go kneel on the floor. And I had an encounter with the Lord, and I was, I was kind of, I was, I was having this amazing connection with God and hoping my brother wasn't going to walk around and see me. I think it was done by the time he came over there. Don't know why he was looking at those dumb movies, but I'm just kidding. I, I remember one time when I, I used to work at Marsh, and I went on my break. I went into the warehouse and found an upstairs area, and I knew nobody was going to go in there. And I'd go, in, I'd go there on my breaks just to encounter the Lord. And, like, you can find a secret place anywhere. I like to go to the forest sometimes when I can, walk trails, and just have conversations with the Lord. On my porch at Starbucks with my headphones on, I just zone out the world around me. Like, you, if, if you're in love with Jesus, you can find a secret place anywhere you're at. Okay? Now, there, there may be somebody who's going to stumble upon you and think you're nuts if that happens, but who cares? Right? But I want to tell you that in the secret place, your Father is in the secret place. Amen? Your Father sees you in the secret place. Your Father will reward you in the secret place. He's calling you deeper into His presence. He wants it. In the secret place, he said, he said you, don't, you don't need to bring your vain repetitions, okay? And he said that the people who do vain repetitions think that they're going to be heard because of their many words. And, and I think sometimes we can, we can have the begging approach where I, I think I need to pray as much as I can and, and pray hard and pray long. I don't know what it actually means to pray hard, Okay? Because praying hard, like what does that mean? Does it mean that you, you're busting blood vessels in your head harder? Does it, does it mean that you're, you're, get, you're scuffing up your knees more? Like is that actually paying a price to get God's attention? But he said, he said don't use vain repetitions thinking you'll be heard by many words because your Father knows what you need before you ask. Okay? Why would he say that? What are vain repetitions? Well, there's a few different things I think that vain repetitions might be. It, that, that word means stammer, uttering many useless and purposeless words. Words that are empty. Words that are not powered by faith. Hello. <laughs> words that are outside of God's will. Words that assume that God does not know your needs and that you need to convince him of them. I've been guilty of that before. Anybody else? Come on. What if God's actually inviting us to come into his presence in that secret place? And when, when he's saying don't use all these words, what if he's actually trying to help us to cultivate a different approach to him that involves a lot more listening? and receiving, and maybe not quite as much praying and praying and praying and praying and praying 
Now, I'm not saying that praying long and hard is not bad. I'm just saying, what is the motive behind it? And what, what, is the, what is the habit that you're creating in your approach to the Father? There are times to pray for hours, I, I believe. Intercession, I believe it. There are times to really put yourself hard into this. But we've got to understand, like, where's our heart coming from with it? Is it coming from a place of thinking I'm going to work my way into convincing God to move? Or is it I'm, I'm trying to have an encounter with the Father so we can connect at the heart and spirit level? Everybody all right this morning? All righty. The quantity of your prayers does not actually move God. Okay? <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> the quantity of your prayer does not move God. Faith moves God. All right? Faith moves God. And, and, and you, can, you can repeat faith-filled declarations and prayers all you want because those are not vain repetitions. They are faith-filled prayers and declarations. They are not empty. They are powerful. All right? So it's, it's all about what, where you're coming from, what is moving you when you're praying. The repetition of faith-filled prayers and declarations, really, we need to understand it's not about getting God to move. It's about building your faith. Because the more your faith gets strengthened in God's truth, the more you're going to connect with Him, and that will move Him. You guys all right? All right. Because we, we don't want it to be about us trying to convince God. We want to be about connecting with his heart, because that moves God, all right? Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Jesus does not want us, he's trying to train us to not be beggars. That's what orphans do, okay? I remember, I remember years ago hearing Eric Johnson, son of Bill Johnson, preaching and he was talking about this passage that, that we're in, and it goes into the Lord's Prayer right after that part I just said. And, and the Lord had given him uh, a revelation years ago, and this was for him personally. He wasn't trying to tell everybody this is your approach, this should be. But he, he realized that he's he spent a lot of his life um, praying, trying to just going through his prayer list and trying to go through all the things he needs to see God do in his life. And at one point, the Lord actually spoke to him and showed him, wouldn't it be more powerful if you spend most of that time coming into my presence and getting saturated in my glory and us having intimate encounter? And from that place, pray what's on your heart and then release it to, to God and trust that he's going to do it. And then you go back to that rested posture. Okay, and he said because he realized that, that there's a, there can be a begging or a unhealthy type of a desperation in our prayers a lot of times uh, that's unsure that God is actually going to take care of the thing that you're praying for. Does that make sense? But as learning learning to be a son, a, a, a good son of a good father, that he was learning that it's more about that relationship being formed. Okay. And so the learning that God already plans on taking care of the need because he's a good dad. 
So shifting from a rested, sorry, shifting from a striving posture to a rested, receiving posture. Is somebody controlling that back there? I got it. Thank you, man. Nope. Nope. We're good. Thank you. So express the need and then stop praying so much. So he, he learned that we need to shift into a rested posture, a rested heart, trusting that the answer will show up when it needs to. So he learned to spend more of his time in prayer, enjoying the Father and that intimacy that he provides, being in the presence of God. Come on, I, I learned a lot from that teaching. I learned a lot. There's that song, we just sang it today, uh, where, where the, I think it's the bridge, it says, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let Never gonna let me down. And that's an awesome song and it like builds up and everything. And I've actually heard people um, talk to me about that song that, that they don't believe it. They don't believe that, that you're never gonna let me down because that, that they struggle with that part because they've been let down. They, they've had things that they were, they were wanting or wanting to experience and God didn't show up for them and they got let down. So they, they don't feel like they can chant that. But I, I, I processed that some w- with that mentality, and I get it. If your idea of God is getting him to do the thing you're wanting him to do, you might get let down. Because God is probably not going to do everything that you want him to do. But w- if we're not careful, our position with him can actually be putting us at the God spot and him at the servant spot. Okay? But when you know who you are, that you're his child, his beloved child, and that he's going to always be faithful and true to you, that he's always going to show up with what he knows is good. Not our version of what's good, but what he knows to be good. We can trust that he's going to always be faithful, but it might mean that I have to adjust what I'm expecting or what I think I need and and submit myself to him and allow him to show up the way he wants to, guess what? If I can live from that place, he will never let me down. And in part, I think that that phrase that we sing um, is actually a declaration to the Lord, telling him, I'm never going to let myself be let down because I'm going to trust that you're always good and you'll always do what you need to do. Say, I'm awake. awake. All right, I just needed to make sure. (laughs) Jesus wants to teach us how to approach the Father like sons and daughters. That's what he's trying to do. And and as I was reading through this this sermon, especially this part where he's teaching us how to approach the Father, and then he goes right into the Lord's Prayer, teaching us how to pray to him. And then after that, he goes into all these things about how we need to position our heart and expect God to be good to us, that he'll always provide and give us everything we need because he's a good dad. All right, that whole chapter talks about how to approach God in prayer, and then it teaches us how God is going to be good to us. All right, that whole passage. But, but that chapter 6 is right in the middle of three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. 
It's a whole sermon. That's just one snippet, right? And I was reading through that thing, paying attention to the words, and not one time is Jesus trying to teach us about how to have more faith. What? What? Yeah, he, he, he didn't go into a teaching on that you need to have more faith to move God. He, he didn't go into a teaching on your belief. You've you got to have more belief to, to move God. Okay? There's one time where the word faith is mentioned in the entire Sermon on the Mount, and it's when he said, he, he was talking about how, how the, that God will make, he makes sure to clothe the fields. Would he not, would he not clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. That's the only time that the word faith is in the entire Sermon on the Mount. And I, I got thinking about that. Lord, does that mean that faith was not important to you when you're preaching this entire nugget-filled sermon? No. No, it doesn't mean that at all. We know that faith is important to God, right? Um, it, 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 but, but Jesus' focus in that sermon is not faith, it's intimacy with a good father, all right? Let's simplify faith. Faith is not difficult when it is a natural byproduct of intimacy. So faith is important. It is very important, but a lot of times we're striving to have faith and Jesus, trying to make this more simple, he didn't even touch faith in the entire thing about how we pray and try to receive from God. It's not from a place of, you need to have more faith. It's a place of, learn how to be a son to a good dad. Have intimate connection with him. So faith is not difficult when it is a natural byproduct of intimacy. Believe he is a good father. And that good fathers take good care of their children. In intimacy, faith is more of a rested, receiving posture than a striving posture. Come on. Now again, I, what, I, I'm, what I'm not saying is that there's not times when we need to really push through with faith. Yes, there are those times. But the whole teaching, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is trying to teach us how to be really good receivers of a good father. All right? Are you guys okay? I, I'm not real sure how this is going over right now. Awesome. Jesus, um, where's my next slide? This isn't going so well. We're going to get this thing figured out. Jesus wasn't focusing much, or it wasn't focusing on our faith as much as our heart connection. All right? In Matthew 6, 21, same sermon, check this out, what he said. Where your treasure is, your faith will be also. Did he say that? Got some Bible scholars in here. He did not say that. He didn't say where your treasure is, your faith will be also. He said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right? So he's, the whole story is, is him talking about how good a father is, and he talks about how uh, when your eye is single, he says if you're looking into the light, you're going to be filled with light. But if you take your eyes off, you're going to be filled with darkness. 
And he says you can't serve two gods. You can't serve God and mammon, all right, which is the spirit of, of wealth or, or money. So he's saying, he's saying you can't behold the, your need for provision and make that what you're focusing on because then you're going to be filled with darkness. But instead, put your eye, make it single on the Lord. You'll be filled with light. And God will be your God. And that whole passage, that whole, that whole chapter is unfolding. Your Father will take care of you. All right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's talking about uh, don't, don't build up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moth and rust will destroy it and thieves can break in and steal it. But, but bank yourself in heaven. How do you do that? Let me tell you how you do that. In the secret place, your Father will reward you. All right? In the secret place, your Father will reward you. Where is the secret place? It's in the heavenlies. All right? Spend time with God in the heavenly places and your banking treasure with Him in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is trying to teach us that there's a, there's a real spiritual connection between God's lavishness for you and where your heart is connected to. He's trying to beckon us into intimate relationship with Father. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1 starts off and it talks about how we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That would be your treasures in heaven. That would be the rewards that the Father has for you. I don't know about you, but this encourages me. So, so he's, just tr- he's not trying to say, get more faith. Be stronger in your faith than you are right now. You haven't quite made it there yet. All right? He's not saying you don't have enough faith because you're not seeing results yet. No, he's saying, he's saying come in. Be a child. Be a son. Be a daughter. Let the Father love you in that secret place. You're going to have everything available to you that you could ever need. Faith will follow where you invest your heart. Okay? Faith's important, but it's a byproduct of your heart connection with Father God. Hallelujah. Faith that is not a result of intimacy comes from an orphan spirit. So learning to pray from intimacy, we're learning to pray with God instead of at God. All right? We need to learn to pray with God through intimacy rather than praying at God. Jesus is shifting us away from begging to knowing a good father. Your Father knows your needs before you ask. Come on. Oh, the the orphan spirit produces striving. All right? Hello. Your Father knows your needs before you ask. Bring your heart to believe that He is a good Father. That He gives you His full attention. That's a big one. Like you need to, when you pray, you need to know like Papa is, like he is, he's giving you, he, he calls you the apple of his eye. Like he's not distracted. 
full attention on you. He loves you so much, more than you could ever imagine. He cares for the things that are in your heart. He has your back. You've got to believe these things when you come to the Father. He has your back. Love this thing. He had foresight of your need. He knew your need before you ever had the need. Come on. And even better than that, he has already made provision for it. Come on. It's a good word. It's all about coming into your sonship, learning how to rest in the Father. He has you covered. You're, you're able to come in into his presence and relax, be at peace, release anxiety, and receive from him. Come on. Everybody say he's a good father. Thank you, Lord. All right. Jesus is teaching us how to approach the father successfully just like he did. Jesus had the most successful relationship with God on earth. And he's trying to train us how to approach the Father how he does. He's a son. He's a beloved son. Amen? Last week I talked about how God rewards you for seeking him in the secret place. And Jesus lived from the secret place. He had the most dynamic ministry on the earth. But where he got his source of life from was the secret place. And he lived off of the declaration of his father. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Everything that gave him security and fulfillment and identity came from the, the love of his father. Not based on anything he performed. Amen? Anybody in here know of a guy named Harold Eberly? See hands if you know who that is. A couple of you. He, he's got a, a pretty powerful ministry. Um, I heard him speak one time in Reading, <clears throat> and he was talking about how often there will be seasons when, when he knows that God needs to um, show him what the next season or phase of his ministry is and stuff. And so he'll often, when those season shifts come, he'll go up onto this mountain by himself and he'll seek the Lord so he can pray and fast up there to find out what God has to say about the next phase of plans. But he was describing his experiences up there. And he said that when he goes up there, he'll spend, he'll, before he starts praying all the things that he goes to the mountain for, he puts that on the shelf and he just starts worshiping and praying in the spirit and just getting connected with God. And he said that and the, eventually I get to this place where the glory comes and saturates me and I get caught up in his presence and I get lost in him for hours. Lost in him. And after hours of, of intimacy with God, not talking about what's on his mind, just encountering God. And then, then the time comes where he feels that lift off of him and it's like he comes back to normal He's like, oh yeah, I had things I needed to pray. And he spends a few minutes putting them before the Lord. And then he goes back in the presence again and encounters God. And it, but he was describing how from that place when the Lord drops blueprints into his spirit 
about what he's going to do or drops promises into his spirit. And so it, it becomes far less striving and just trying to get God to hear our needs and convince him that he should do something about it. And it's a lot more intimacy and glory. And from that place, the actual connection with the prayer needs comes from intimacy and encountering the Lord and praying with God instead of praying at God. Amen? So presence and intimacy is the primary thing. The prayer needs, secondary. All right? That's what the Lord's trying to train us in. It's a lot less about the quantity of words and a lot more about the quality of presence. Amen. And, and right after Jesus is inviting us into the secret place where he's like, maybe, maybe don't spend so much time babbling a lot. Like, know that he already knows what's on your heart. Why don't you just enjoy him in the secret place where he sees you? Like, why don't you relish in the idea that the creator of this universe who calls himself your daddy is actually paying full attention to you? Enjoy that. You can share the things on your heart. And then he takes us into the Lord's Prayer, and he teaches us how to pray. And guess what? It's actually not a long prayer. You could probably get that thing done in about 40 seconds. <laughs> and from there, he goes into this lavish teaching about, about the Father's going to release to you all the things you need. But he's not teaching us to be beggars. He's teaching us to be encounterers. Amen? And so the, the Lord's Prayer, the first thing He says, I'm not going to take the time to go through the whole prayer, but I want to show you where He starts it, if I can get this thing to work. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Where does He start it? Our Father, where is He? He's in heaven, and who is He? Where is He? In heaven. And who is He? Our Father. Whoa. Like, why... Why do we need to go anywhere beyond that thing for a while? Our Father is in heaven. Whoa. Whoa. And your Father who's in heaven sees you in the secret place. Whoa. Are you telling me, Jesus, that when I go into my secret place, I'm actually in the presence of my Father who's in heaven? Yes. Yes, I am telling you that. Amen? Are we not seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Yes, we are. We are in the very location where we are addressing the Father. So, so we actually literally are in the heavenly places, in this secret place, with the Father's undivided attention. It's your daddy. He's your daddy. Come on. He's a good father. And then at the end of this whole thing, of that whole, that whole chapter, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Whoa. When you think about the invitation into the secret place where the Shekinah glory and the very epicenter of the Father of God, the Father of love, He's inviting you into that intimate place where you can be completely surrounded and saturated and have His undivided attention. 
And he's saying when you come into that place where, where you are not so focused on your prayer list, okay, the things that you need to see him do, you, you lay that to the side so you can put him and his kingdom first. Whoa. From this intimate encounter, the place of heart connection, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you vest your heart into his presence in the holy place, in the secret place, he says all these other things, they'll be added to you. It's like, why? And then he goes on, the next verse says, he says, um, don't worry about the things of tomorrow for it's got enough concerns of its own. In other words, stop worrying about all these things. Just come in and, and be with a good daddy and know that he's good to you today. He's going to be good to you tomorrow. You don't have to worry today. And when you get to tomorrow, you don't need to worry about that day either because he's a good dad every day and he's going to always be a good dad. He's going to take care of his kids. When you consider the prodigal son who, who wanted to receive his inheritance out of season and he wanted to separate himself from his family and go on his own way and do his own thing, uh, he got his inheritance and then he went independent with it. And so when we go independent and we're on our own, there is a limit of resources that will deplete. So when we try to handle things on our own strength or our own striving or whatever it is, you may get something, but it probably won't last real long, all right? But when he returned home, when, when he came home and postured himself as a son again back in his dad's house, we come as sons and daughters and we get baptized into the limitless resources of the father's house. When he's at home, he was never going to run out of anything. Come on. And then, and then the father spoke to his brother who was complaining about um, how he's lavishing his son. And he's like, my, but my son was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost, now he's found. Of course we're going to celebrate him. And his son's complaining, but he said to, his son, to the older brother, he said, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Everybody say, all he has, all he has. is mine. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. Say whatever one you are. The one you were born with, by the way. <laughs> All right. I'm his son. Everybody say this. I'm his child. I'm always with him. He's always with me. All he has is mine. Amen. That's Luke 15.31. In Luke 12.32, Jesus said this, do not fear, little flock, <laughs> for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Whoa. Come on. Really? Well, what does, a, what does royalty give children? The kingdom. If you're a child of royalty, what does that make you? Royalty. And if the, if the father has a kingdom and he has a child, it's his good pleasure to give his kingdom to his children. And if Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all its righteousness and all these will be added to you, imagine that. All the things of the kingdom, if you seek him and you enjoy the father in that secret place the way he wants you to, you get the whole thing. 
You get the whole thing. Everybody say this. It's my Father's good pleasure to give me His kingdom. Come on. It's a good word. Instead of finding glory in the results of prayer, what if we just enjoy His glory? <laughs> if you're waiting for answer prayers to, to experience glory, you're missing out on the most important part, the glory that was available the whole time. Amen? When we know who He is, we know who we are. If it's a real need, He's going to make sure you get it. It may come in His timing, all right? But, but your answered prayer is not what's going to fulfill you. It's your Father who will fulfill you. And He wants to give you all things. So in the secret place, this is where I'm closing, we need to remember as we're approaching the God that we're approaching Him in the secret place, all right? And in the secret place, He sees us. Everybody say, He sees us. Say, we are close to Him in heavenly places. Say, He rewards us. He literally gives us His kingdom. That all happens from the secret place. Come on. That's, that's my message. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you today. Amen. I, I wanted just to help us to see how Jesus presents His Father. We learn from the Son how to be a son. He's presenting to us how to be a son, how to be a daughter to the Father. How do we approach Him? This sermon is called the Sonship Approach. All right? How do we approach God? We approach Him sons and daughters. We approach Him receiving posture. Not striving, but allowing Him to lavish us in the secret place. He wants to give you all things. He wants to break off of us orphan spirit activity. All right? Begging, that's what orphans do. We, we, if, you, if you think you have to try to convince God of your need, you don't know God enough. All right? He wants to reveal the Father even more to you. He, he doesn't want you to think that God doesn't see it. He already saw it before the need ever existed. As a matter of fact, He provided it before you were even born. Okay? He sees the need. He doesn't want you fretting about it. He wants you to know that you're in good hands in your Father's house. The secret place really is just coming into the Father's living room and being with Him. All right? And He wants to love on you. He wants to help us to shift the, the need of our heart off of the prayer list and onto intimacy, heart connection. Amen? Jesus wants to reveal the Father to you. In revealing the Father to you, you can rest assured that all the things you needed, He cares about them. He's going to get it to you. He's going to take care. And, he, and Jesus taught us, He's not just looking at just the basic provisions. He wants you to think bigger. He wants to reward you. He wants to give you good gifts. Hallelujah. There are some growling Shoney's bellies in here, so I need, to, I need to release you guys. Why don't you guys stand if you're able, and I'll pray over you. We're going to have a, a prayer team up here to pray for anybody who needs prayer for anything. And I want to encourage you, like, 
if you don't think you have like an actual need, but you just want to encounter the Father, like they have an anointing <laughs> to bring people into encounters with the Father. Amen? All right, but I'm going to pray that for you. Lord, we love you so much. God, I know that you're, you're working on our hearts and you're, you're training us, Lord, how to, how to break free from orphan thinking, Lord, and what it's like to actually come into our sonship. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll move on everybody's heart to reveal your truth to us, Lord. Move on everybody's heart right now. I pray that you'll, you'll show us places where, where maybe we strive and you're wanting to invite us into intimacy in that place. We don't have to strive to get your attention. You're not that kind of a dad. You give us your attention. I pray that, that we will all come into encounters where we behold you and we know that you're beholding us and that you'll set us free from anxiety and fear and performance. Thank you, Lord. Give us a, give us a, a sonship and daughtership revival, Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Can anybody give the Lord a big shout for being good?